The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Thank you for having us on, wherever you have us on. A lot to get to today in the wonderful world of mixed martial arts. We have a UFC pay-per-view this weekend. UFC is back in Canada and Vancouver. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about gimmick fights that the UFC wants to do, but apparently never do. Judging conversations and much more. We have a heck of a matchup this week. Pun completely intended. Let's introduce the combatants first. And some breaking news, at least as of right now. Um... We could see him back on the watch parties this Saturday. So a lot going on. He's a very busy man, but you know him from the MMA Hour, the incredible MMA fighting social media team, the man with the best theme song in all of MMA. He is New York Rick, Eric Jackman. What's up, man? Mike, it's my honor to be here. It's the apocalypse outside here in New York, and I could not think of a better way to spend my final days than with you, uh, our next um, combatant that you're going to introduce, and and producer Casey. Um, There's nowhere I'd rather be. I love you guys dearly, and I'm looking forward to spending this time together. Wow. Off to just a a great start. You can tell that Jed is not the opponent. Uh, so let us introduce the opponent. I guess we shall call him the defending champion. I don't even know who the champion of BTL is these days, but he's the co-host of On to the Next One. And the new hit MMA fighting show, Tough Hang, the Prince of Positivity, and my best friend. Look at the hair, look at the plants, look at the background. He is the great Alexander K. Lee. How are you, my best friend? Number one, defending champ, Mike. USA, USA. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Canada. Canada, Canada. Sorry, I, I, 
I got confused. I got confused. I just I don't I don't win very often, Mike. It was a great win. It was a, a spirited affair, and this will be, I think, a much more friendly affair. But let's let's start with this past weekend, gentlemen. The main event of UFC Vegas 74. I love being in the middle of guys with just luscious locks of hair when I just am shining like crazy at the top of my dome. But Amir Albazi wins a pretty heavily debated decision against Kaikar France. Most people scored it for Kaikar France. Fourth round scoring on one card is kind of the big sticking point, but I don't know. We're not here to talk about who scored what for whom. Was it a robbery? Was it not a robbery? I want to kind of divert the discussion more towards the conversation of judging and scoring in general since Saturday things kind of taken a turn and I think they've kind of taken different turns since Saturday because it's been quite interesting and we're, and Rick I want to start with you because this is a topic that is debated there's arguments there's agreements and disagreements in all sports right these types of conversations are kind of the benchmark for tentpole programming on ESPN and Fox Sports and, and other networks, even shows like this, like these conversations are great for shows like this, but I don't know, just being on social media and being a part of the MA hour and just kind of surveying the scene. I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on the judging conversation since Saturday. Like where have we come since then? Is this a healthy conversation? Are we getting anywhere? Are people being educated or is this just negative across the board? And we are just going way far backwards instead of forwards with this whole thing. Yeah, I think you answered the question with the question is where have we come since Saturday? And the answer is nowhere. And that is where these conversations will always go is nowhere. Um, my my compadre, my partner in crime, Ariel Hawani, is is currently fighting the fight for transparency and asking for um, the judges to explain themselves and have some accountability. And I don't foresee that happening, nor do I foresee anybody's mind being changed if we were to get that transparency, nor do I foresee any changes um, that will actually help this um, being made by the commissions. So ultimately, yes, I'm quite... Um, I'm quite uh, on the negative, let's call it, um, in terms of hopefulness about anything changing here. I think people have dug their heels in. They either care about educating themselves or not, and have already done so, um, and just want to talk about how they scored their card and argue and yell into the void um, with other people who have scored their card the opposite way and then move on to the next time they have an ability to do that. It reminds me a lot of the American political climate where um, there's just a bunch of noise from both sides and really not a lot of actual conversation and listening and learning. Um, so yeah, I don't see I don't see anything that has changed. I don't expect anything to change um, and we'll get more of the same the next time there's even a remotely close decision. AK, you're, you're the prince of positivity. Uh -huh. uh, what do you think? Have the conversations been positive at all? Are we in any I mean, better of a place with this stuff now than on Saturday? Uh, New York, Rick, have you? I don't listen. I'm gonna, guys. I'm gonna say something here that I think is gonna blow your minds. I got, I got two words that I feel like is gonna solve this whole thing. Uh, New York, Rick, have you heard of the concept of open scoring? Because let, <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I've heard of it. You put those scorecards out there. We don't have this controversy, all right? Kai Car France probably just he sees he's down on the cards and he just unloads the clip in round five, smokes Albazi in the first 30 seconds of the round. Just like that. Just like that. He, he just turned it on. 
He just turned on and go after him, just completely smoke him. Uh, open scoring. Listen, we're talking about transparency. Yeah, listen, we can talk to the judges all we want. But you put that, you get, you put those scores on the screen for the fans. You you give that information to the fighters. Guaranteed to solve all these judging controversies. You'll never have another judging controversy again. The 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 fighters want it. We should you know we, you know we should always listen to what the fighters want. They're the, they're the smartest uh, people in the entire game. Uh, so definitely we had we should we should go with that suggestion. And of course uh, I you know uh, I'm sure Arahawani if he had heard of open scoring would be pushing for it on the show all the time. Um, I think I think someone definitely needs to tell uh, tell Ariel about this because uh, I think he'd be all for it as I am. Ak. Uh-huh. I, I don't look uh, open scoring to me is just who knows it's just going to be more of a negative conversation to me like yeah. if people are already that. yeah if, if we see the entire scorecard on social media and all of the backlash came out can you imagine if we had open scoring in that fourth round and we saw the one judge scored it for amir oh. al twitter would be a nightmare i would have to like just leave twitter altogether so <laughs> Outside of like what we can use to implement yeah. to make this better, which by the way, nothing's going to change anytime soon. No. I guess we're not here to educate. We're here to make MMA a more digestible place here yeah. on ETL. What would be your best advice to fans about all of this and how to handle it and scoring and just so we're not so divisive and angry yeah. all the time about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. First of all, let me let me just say, it's, I, I was obviously being super facetious there about open scoring. I, I, I'm not, I'm actually like not against it. We've had this debate ad nauseum on Slack, on social media. They've talked about, you guys talk about it on the MAR all the time. I don't know how many times open scoring has come up after a weekend like this. Same kind of discussions. New York, Rick, you've kind of alluded to like, you talk about it, nothing ever changes. But but again, it, it is a discussion that keeps happening. And, and again, listen, if if uh, major organizations and commissions decided to make this the norm, I would like totally be fine with it. I, I'm not against open scoring. I'm against the, the sort of this overarching notion that like, it, it, it will solve so many things. But um, I was joking, you know, about the fighters wanting it and kind of uh, making crack with that. But it is true. I, I think if the fighters want it, it would be nice to, for the fighters to have some sort of agency over the rules. We always talk about this, right? We, we, we wish fighters could agree on things uh, to push sort of change in the business. And if they could all, if so many of them are agreeing on open scoring and that made it happen, again, I think even most of the fighters know it wouldn't fix all the problems. But if they want it, like, that's fine. It's a cool thing. I'm, I'm not against it. I, I don't think it's like, again, guaranteed to make things better, but I'm also not saying it's going to make things worse. I just don't want people to be disappointed if open scoring comes around and then we still end up having a lot of these controversies. Mike, you said the exact same. You just said it perfectly. Like, Imagine these conversations that we're having after fights just happening during fights, happening after the second round, <laughs> fourth round, the middle of the fight. That's the, it, it is what would happen. It is what would happen. And I'm not saying that's bad. But we're just saying, you know, transparency can lead to just as much like chaos as it can a uh, resolution. So uh, I'm with uh, some people mentioning the comments, changing the scoring system. Again, this has been discussed so many times. Do you do uh, half points? Do you throw out the 10-9 system altogether? So th- the number one thing for me, if I could wave a magic wand, would definitely be to adjust the scoring system. I would give more points for submission attempts. Um, when I do my robbery reviews, people get really mad at me because I don't, under the current rules, I don't give a lot of credit for submission attempts. That's actually why I'm one of the few to have scored round three of this fight uh, in question on Bazi versus Car France. I actually scored it for Car France because it's hard to gauge how close he actually was to finishing. It looked bad for Car France, but I actually liked the elbows and, and, and the ground and pound that Car France led at the end, which for me is, was more impactful, which is you know a big part of the criteria. So 
the fact that I'm even saying this, and I'm sure people are like confused, like what the hell is guy talking about, shows that I think we need to adjust it a bit. I just don't think it's suitable for MMA to always um, prioritize impact. And again, it's not really quote uh, listed this way, damage uh, in the rules, but that's how the rules are now. Let's give more credit to you know, improving position, effective grappling. It's in there. It's in there. You are supposed to credit it, but I would put even a heavier emphasis on it. Um, and again, I would really love to change the the whole 10-9 thing, but uh, that, that's where we are now. Other than that, it's just about education. And I hope people, you know, they go into these fights knowing the rules. I know a lot of fighters don't. I know a lot of people in the media don't um, necessarily fully understand how the scoring is. And you don't have to agree with it, but just kind of understand what the judges are working with here. So I think a little more understanding all around is, is, uh, is not a lot to ask for. Rick, what would, yeah. what would your advice be? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to discount the idea of like changing rules and things like that. Cause I believe the spirit of the question is like, what am I telling fans to do? Right. Uh, Mike, unless I'm mistaken. So my yeah. advice to fans would be to vote with your wallets. Um, it's the voting power that you have. It may not seem that way, but you are actually the UFC's boss. You are actually Endeavor's boss. You are actually anybody whose product that you purchase is boss. You are the customer. You are the consumer. And much like with the conversation about the watered-down UFC cards, people are continuing to vote yes with their wallets and say, I continue to like this. Uh, Please, can I have some more? And you continue to watch these cards and you continue to pay for the UFC product. um, And they're not incentivized to change anything. If... There's a situation where because of the lack of accountability when it comes to commissions that oversee UFC fights or Bellator fights or PFL fights, fans are starting to tune out. Well, then I think the UFC and other stakeholders like Bellator and PFL will be more inclined to talk to the commissions and actually try to have something changed um, and make some action until – until the bottom line changes, until the fans vote, until there's some actual net impact that will make the UFC move in a direction, or as I said, Bellator or PFL, because this is not a league-specific thing, um, it will continue to just be noise on Twitter. It will continue to be useless, and fighters will be losing out on money, and nothing will change. So my advice to fans is, if you truly care, and don't, it isn't just about putting your voice out on Twitter um, and getting into arguments on Twitter, vote with your wallets. Make sure that people understand, the people with power in this scenario, understand that this is not an acceptable outcome. Uh, I would encourage the fighters to do the same. Uh, And make some actual change. Create change. Be the change you want to see. That is my advice to everybody. And if you just want to sit on the sidelines and not do that, just understand that this is going to happen. And it's probably going to happen on Saturday. There's probably going to be a fight where most people are going to score for one fighter and then it's going to get scored for the other. Because... Judging and rules and sitting here on top of the mountaintop being like, I know the rules better than you doesn't mean anything because it is a subjective thing at the end of the day. Only the three people scoring the fights can determine what is damage. Like, what does it actually mean? What is the definition of damage in certain things? Like, was their angle better than the other person's angle? Why did they score this way? Why did they score this way? Nothing's going to change. So we just need a little bit of acceptance that these close decisions are going to happen. People are going to be pissed. Some people are not. Don't make yourself too angry if you don't need to. That's the way I look at it. So I I do want to transition real quick to... Amir Albazi, New York Rick, because no matter how people scored this fight, no matter how you placed your bets, none of that matters and nothing's going to change. Amir Albazi defeats Kai Kara France via split decision. It's going to be in the history books forever, unless there's some sort of failed drug test or something that gets overturned to a no contest. I'm not saying that's the case, but that's the only way that this result will change. The man wants a title shot next. Will he get his, will he get his wish? And if not, 
what is next for Amir Albazi after, even though it's controversial, the biggest win of his career? Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer. I was, I was a little bit confused that Dana White didn't really want to push Royval into that spot. So that makes me think that the door is open for Albazi, or maybe potentially it's an Albazi Royval fight. Um, but it's something in that range. He's he's either getting a title shot next or or one away um, after uh, Pantoja and and Moreno finished their business. So um, yeah, he's right there in the mix. It's it's one fight away or or he could get it next. Uh, the fact that um, the, he, uh, Dana White didn't rubber stamp uh, Royval makes me think that the the, the door is wide open for Albazi to kind of make the case um, or, or try to slide in there. So yeah, he's close. He's close no matter what. It's going to be one or or next. AK, are they going to do Albazi Royval? Does one guy have a lean over the other? Where are we at with this after this past Saturday? Yeah, my best friend, we, we talked about this a little bit on, on to the next one. And if it were up to me, I think he would have to go through Royval. But I, and my, my head was hurting as I think you, you were breaking this down. You, you presented sort of a, a, a number of, not a number, but um, the kind of the snare that would have to happen for Albert, Albazi to get the next shot. Of course, we've got Moreno and Pantoja coming up. Uh, if Pantoja wins, we assume uh, Moreno would not get an immediate rematch. So there you go. I mean, that's a great spot for Albazi to potentially slide into. I think he said he wants to fight in uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, and so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. And this is like, for me, it's a bit surprising because I, I, I know going into the card, people who can go check out the preview show, I think I was saying uh, – Albazi would have to like get a big finish or a convincing win to to even get one like to be one fight away. I, I didn't think there's any scenario where he's necessarily getting a title shot in his next fight. But five five and zero in the UFC, he has a reputation as a finisher. He had he now has an official win in the books over Kai Car France, uh, interim title challenger. You know was just challenged for that in his last fight. Uh, perennial top five contender. I think Albazi probably just bumped him out now. I think I don't know. I didn't check the official rankings. I don't know if Car France like fell out of the top five or if Albazi just jumped super high. But yeah, it's. It's it's distinctly possible. So this was great uh, matchmaking by the UFC. I think this was great uh, work by Albazi's management. They picked just the right guy. Again, it is a bit unfortunate that it wasn't a more definitive performance. Even if you somehow scored the fight for Albazi, as as two of the judges did, um, uh, I had it actually forty eight forty seven for Car France giving KK after the last three rounds. It's a shame that it was more convincing because he is a championship worthy fighter. He is, uh, you know, he I, he is a obviously high. I think he's legitimately a top five flyweight. But man, the, it sucks, and and this kind of ties to, again to this the, the broader question again. It sucks that um, just the conversation is all about the robbery and not how again. I thought the fight was pretty competitive, um, even if it did wasn't the most visually appealing for Albazi. I thought he landed a lot of good shots in that fight. I thought he wobbled um kkf a few times not not like hurt him but like caught him off balance and i thought that that's might be why the judges gave him some of the rounds they did so he's worthy of it is a very good chance he gets it i just think though boy the reception to him getting a title fight is going to be ice cold um it'll be good if it happens in abu dhabi i know that's where he wants to go if it happens somewhere else somehow boy he is either getting a boot out of the building or worse for the ufc um get almost no reaction at all so uh, my, I'm still leaning towards him not getting a title fight next. I do think they make him uh, throw down with the raw dog first. So it, it could happen. But if, I, if, if I'm guessing, if I have to pick one other, will he, won't he? I'm going to say he won't. Yeah, I think Pantoja is the key here. 
if he wins, I think they'll want to turn him around quickly. You could do Albazi in Abu Dhabi. doesn't matter what the rest of us think. Those fans are going to look at Albazi like he's a freaking superstar. So he'll be over like Rover there. If Moreno wins, he ain't turning around that quick to fight in Abu Dhabi. That's for damn sure. And then Moreno can go ahead and fight the winner. So we'll see what happens. Brand Royval now number four, Amir Albazi number three, according to the UFC rankings. I know Mr. Raw Dog is not happy about that. Kai Car France remains in the top five. He drops to number five. But let's move on. Let's talk about something else that came out of UFC Vegas 74. The point for round one goes to... Close round. I can't score to 10-10, but New York Rick gets gets the first point. I'm just glad we have open scoring, so I know where I stand right now. That's good. Thank <laughs> goodness. Ah, uh, that's great. 10 to 9.999. Now, now I know to crank it up. I know to crank it up, Mike, which I wouldn't have done uh, if I didn't know the score. <laughs> Twitter is all sorts of angry right now that we already mm-hmm. revealed who won the first round. So the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's discuss the other thing that came out of UFC Vegas 74, and I'm not talking about anything that happened inside the octagon. Let's talk about the headlines that happened after the event because Dana White, as he typically does, speaks with the media. Dana was simply asked about what is going on with John Jones. That was the question. What's happening with John Jones? And completely unprovoked, he doubles down on a challenge to Tyson Fury 
to step in the octagon to fight John Jones. He said he will make that fight happen. He will make sure Tyson Fury is compensated to the max and it will be marketed as a fight to determine the baddest man on the planet. Again, Dana was asked simply about John Jones. Tyson Fury's name didn't even come up in the question. This is the road he decided to take. So, AK, it is very difficult to put ourselves in the mind of, of a man like Dana White, but how do I put this so in the most eloquent way possible? What the hell are we doing here? I um, I dreaded when this was mentioned before the show, Mike, that we may end up discussing this. Uh, I have so little feelings about this fight. Um, I, I don't, again, listen, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be the prince of positivity. And were this fight to manifest in some way, whether it be John Jones going to boxing or Tyson Fury coming to the UFC, which is not going to happen, or some sort of, you know, mixed rules about, I'm sure, I, I, listen, I, I would get excited. About it. I, I would get excited about it. Much, much like with uh, Aljamain Sterling and Henry Zudo. You know, we, you and I are pretty critical of that for a while before that fight was actually booked. And it was booked. We're like, well, let's just lean into what makes this fight interesting. One of the greatest, you know, combat sports athletes of all time. And, you know, the number one bantamweight in the world right now. So, John Jones, Tyson Fury, I mean, it's, it's even more and has even more of an obvious casual appeal. I mean, we're talking about the best heavyweight in boxing of the past what, decade against now we know the number one heavyweight in the ufc right now and a guy who looks like if he wanted to stick around could probably rattle off four five six seven title defenses if he wants to as long as ufc never booked him against jelton almeida so very intriguing stuff uh on on in theory but man having to discuss it publicly really everything with tyson fury is just exhausting um this weird john jones non-feud uh, is he? I don't. I guess he's never going to fight Usyk. It's it's really just so dull. Uh, following updates, uh, I'm glad we don't cover every Fury Usyk update because if we did, and I had to write any of those, I would just be clawing my eyes out. It is just mind numbing, and I feel a little bit of the same way. The discussion of this, even fans, fans are smart. I know we joke a lot about bad fans. Sure, there's a, there's a segment of bad fans. There's a segment of bad fans in any sport. The majority of combat sports fans are looking at this talk and like it's not interesting it's everyone knows in boxing tyson fury would clean john jones's clock in a straight mma fight john jones would clean tyson fury's clock and a mixed rules fight john jones probably also wins like anything that's not just straight boxing that's it there's no questions that need to be answered it, it'll be fun it'll be cool to watch it'll be fun to see but there's no questions that need to be answered so what are we doing mike we are having a Anytime it comes up, I will just say it is. A, it has must be a slow news day discussion uh, because this is just so pointless. I'm not saying today, not today. This is just this is a great topic for us to talk about on the show. But on the other day, where just randomly some you know some post comes up, whether it's on mafine.com or another site, uh, boy, it is just. Uh, and again, sometimes I'm the guy writing it. I'm just rolling my eyes and hoping that we move on and hoping that John Jones books this friggin' fight with Stephen Miocic or an actual UFC heavyweight so we can stop talking about Tyson Fury. Rick, what is this? Yeah, this, it's very obvious what's happening here, and it really has very little to do with – I mean, it has a little bit to do with John Jones, but mostly this is about Francis Ngannou. Um, and this is about the fact that Francis Ngannou and John Jones was the fight that everybody wanted and needed to be made, and the UFC tried their best to make it happen and could not do it. Um, Francis Ngannou walks out the door, and we were promised John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. These are the types of fights that we at the UFC do, and now they're having trouble making that fight. 
And so they don't have another solution. The possible solutions are now you start to hear about, wow, Sergei Pavlovich is going to fill in and fight John Jones. And everybody kind of goes groans and says, is that really the fight? Do I really care? That's not what I expected for John Jones. Because now we're on our third option for John Jones, right? Now it was Francis Ngannou, and then it was, um, and then it was Stephen Miocic, and now it's potentially Sergey. And everybody's going, "Well, this isn't the John Jones return that I wanted." And quite frankly, I imagine John Jones is thinking, "This is not the John Jones return I wanted." So Dana White's doing a little bit of a magic trick, where all the actual real options are kind of out the window and there's no motion and nobody cares about those that now he's pivoting to, Hey, look at this shiny object over here, which is talking about a fantasy fight that will never happen between John Jones and Tyson Fury. And Hey, you know, if you really want to see who's the baddest man on the planet, come over here and he will never come over here. And Tyson Fury's having trouble doing his own fights in boxing. So yeah, this is a bit of every party kind of using each other for leverage and distracting from the fact that when Francis Ngannou went out the door, the number of options, for John Jones became extremely limited, limited, and they're having trouble making a fight for John Jones. Look, guys, I think we can all agree MMA can be a weird sport, and combat sports can be very strange. Like we we talk on the show all the time how much we enjoy fight circus and the fact that they try weird things and we kind of get into it. We enjoy weird things. And this idea would do incredibly well on pay-per-view regardless of how we think this fight would play out but let me ask you this Digger. what if they actually got this done we know that they won't but let's let's try to live in a world enlighten me if you will new york rick what if they can actually get this done what if dana white goes live on the ufc social platforms starts screaming bloody murder that they got this fight done and tyson fury retweets it and says i'm in we're doing this and john jones responds saying i'm in what would your reaction be if they got this done? Uh, wow. Like home run for the UFC grand slam. One of the biggest fights they could have possibly put on because John Jones is a bigger star. Uh, sorry, because Tyson Fury is a bigger star than anybody. They could have matched John Jones up against. Um, so I'd be shocked, impressed, um, you know, start praying to whatever gods that it actually happens. And uh, John Jones would finish him in about 30 seconds and everybody would, you know, be happy and, and go home and, and not have to think about that ever again and then move on to the next thing. Um, if it were to truly happen where they could convince Tyson Fury, one of the best boxers of all time, currently, I, in my opinion, the best heavyweight boxer right now and one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world to enter the octagon to be completely embarrassed by John Jones, I would think, A, wow, um, Endeavor has a lot more money than, than I thought they had um, for reserved for UFC fights and uh, congratulations to everybody involved in, in making it happen because um, it was impossible. AK, what if they actually got this done? Can you imagine oh, on to the listen, next one the day after? Uh, listen, I'm not buying into this. It will never happen <laughs> thing at all. I, I was, I was number one leading the Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor will never happen. I remember the months or years, however long they were talking about that fight, I was like, it's not going to happen. I was like, it's a cool thing. It's never going to happen. After that, I said, I will never say something will never happen again in combat sports. Never again. Never again. Um, and I get it. There's people now who go like, oh, look how much money there was in that, though. You knew that was going to happen. That, that is, there's so much, I think, revisionist history 
around that fight being made. I, and I'm not saying uh, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying there weren't people who did think it would happen. For sure, there were. For sure, people in the media who thought it would happen. But I, I know there's a lot of people and a lot of fans. And I'm looking at the comments on YouTube right now. A lot of fans who are saying the same thing about McGregor and Mayweather that they're saying right now about Fury and Jones. Oh, it's crazy. It's never why are we talking about this? It's never going to happen. I, I, I wish. I wish we did not talk about this stuff. But after Mayweather and McGregor, that broke reality. And the fact that it was a massive success, again, guaranteed that reality would stay broken. If that had somehow bombed, no chance that it would have, maybe we could have had some return to normalcy. But it, it just shattered everything, right? So there's no. if I had told you 10 years ago, Anderson Silva will one day uh, box a, a, YouTube, a YouTube star or, or some social media star, you'd be like, why would that happen? That's insane. You, 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 would, you would have me committed. And now this is a regular thing. We're regularly talking about like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, whoever, whatever influencer boxer you want to name, fighting UFC legends, MMA legends, actual boxers. So this this business is so crazy. I, I'm willing to say it won't happen in the UFC. That that would really surprise me if if they convinced uh, Tess Fury to step into some sort of cage again, whatever the rules were. That would surprise me. That would be still. I, I I'm still able to be shocked. That would be up there. But if, if you're like John Jones and him meeting in a boxing match with the UFC involved, like they were with with Mayweather and taking just really just taking a chunk of that change just to just to let Jones fight, um, that would not surprise me at all. I'm I wish I could be with you guys and be so adamant that it's not going to happen. But uh, I I think once it's spoken into existence, there's there's a chance something that happens. Maybe after John Jones is done with the UFC, but. You you can't tell me you cannot you cannot convince me that there, that it's not possible anymore. So uh, yeah, if it did actually happen, Mike, I would just be like, "Yep, this is the reality we live in now," and uh, I'd happily cover it and I'd happily watch John Jones just get pummeled for ten rounds, twelve rounds, however long that uh, that fight was booked for in a boxing ring. Yeah, I, I just want to clarify. Obviously, I was talking about this happening in the UFC, right? Like these fights do happen in boxing. That's the difference. Like these fights are made in boxing. These fights mm-hmm. do not happen in the UFC. Okay. Um, you get a wash, James Tony. That's the that's the best you're that's gonna it. get in terms of that. You don't get you don't get the king of heavyweight boxing coming into the UFC. Uh, but if I, I guarantee John Jones will be up for a boxing match with uh, with Tyson Fury based on that payday, but I don't think uh, I don't think that's gonna happen either. But I'd be less shocked. But yes, I'm talking specifically about the idea of Tyson Fury undefeated in his prime walking into a cage to be completely have his pants pulled down. Uh, just not 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 in the realm of possibility. Not happening ever. I don't know. There you go. I don't know. I, I now I don't now I don't know. Now now you you you've, <laughs> you've been so adamant about it. Now suddenly I'm like, oh gosh, we keep saying these things. Never. We keep saying never. Yeah, highly unlikely. Wouldn't bet on it. Wouldn't bet on it. But oh gosh, never is such a strong word. Well, let's move on to things that are definitely going to happen. UFC 289 is going to happen on Saturday, and that's where we're going now. So the point for round two goes to. It's a 2-0 lead for New York Rick. Gets it done. Show me the scores. Show me the scores. Show me the scores. It's good to know. That was that was a little more definitive. But AK, you, Captain Comeback, Prince of Positivity, we can make I, it happen. I got it. So, I got it. The UFC heading back to Canada. UFC 289. We have Amanda Nunes defending her Bantamweight title against Arini Aldana in the main event. Uh, New York Rick, I'll begin with you because Nunez obviously highly regarded for her career, her legacy, her greatness, etc. I think this is the fight most fans wanted if Amanda was going to defend her title. I think the Juliana Pena trilogy matchup was kind of met by crickets. This 
maybe slightly louder crickets because this one's not getting any buzz at all. The co-main event seems to be where all the eyeballs and interest are. I guess like, why do you think that is New York? Like, why do you feel like this is being portrayed as this is the Charles Oliveira, Benil Darius card, a fight we're going to get into in the next round. And this title fight, I guess, is uh, just kind of also happening too. Uh, first of all, the simplicity of just simply louder crickets um, got me. So congratulations. That, that was quite nice. <laughs> Um, why do I think it's flying under the radar? I, th- I think you're hundred percent right. I think you're spot on with the idea that Aldana was the fight they wanted over a third Pena fight. And I, it was definitely the fight that Amanda Nunes wanted over a third Pena fight. I think she's kind of done doing that back and forth with her. She's dismissing her at every opportunity, Pena that is at every opportunity. Um, why is it flying under the radar is because Amanda Nunes is not the rah, rah, look at me, promote the card champion. Never has been, never will be no, no discredit to her um, accomplishments and what she's able to do in the cage, but she's just not a salesperson, right? She's not trying to sell you on a pay-per-view and Aldana is a bit of the same way, right? She's, she's kind of got, uh, you know, been up and down kind of now on a streak where she's earned her opportunity, uh, but not some, been somebody who grabs the mic and is calling out, um, Amanda Nunez saying you're ducking me and you can't dodge me the way that Juliana Pena did, right? That is how Juliana Pena kind of carved her, her path to the title. So, um, yeah, it's it's just that this is what this fight is. This is a gr- I personally really like this fight. I will enjoy this fight. For me, this is a very interesting point in Amanda Nunes's career where how many times can she do this without an opponent that really gets her up? Um I don't think she's been very impressed by Aldana. Um, not to say that Aldana is not great, but I, I don't think she stamped it in any way that made um, that made Amanda look and say, "Okay, I'm I'm worried about this." But how many times can a champion who's been doing that for so long with the with the one hiccup against uh, Juliana Pena do that? And then you, on the other side of it, you have the the Mexican wave that's kind of been in effect. And can Aldana be another Mexican champion for the UFC and another from that region? I think is something real. Um, as well as the fact that you look at her teammate and partner in crime, um, Alexa Grasso, who she's been training with for so many years, was able to upset a champion who everybody was like, no, she's never going to lose and she's counted out and do it in a way that people didn't expect. I think, you know, this is a, a more interesting fight and a more compelling fight um, than, than many uh, maybe thinking about it, but from a headline, the marquee, put the faces on the poster, get on the mic and sell it perspective. It's, it's a hard sell. Um, and there's a lot more intrigue in, in Benil Dariush and, and Charles Oliveira. So I don't necessarily think the sentiment is off here. I don't think this is like the people are sleeping on the, on the best fight of the card. I just think that this is the nature of, of a lot of the um, Nunes title fights. And she really needs a foil. And, and Pena has been her best version of that. I would argue the most compelling matchup for me has been and will continue to be um, Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg or Amanda Nunes versus Kayla Harrison. Those are the fights I really kind of want to see. Um, but I like this fight. And I think Aldana is a real live dog. I looked at the odds and I, and I think they're a little bit off. I, I think there's some value on Aldana. So uh, from a technical standpoint, from a fight perspective, I'm in- extremely intrigued in this. But I understand why fans are not clamoring to throw their $80 down for the pay-per-view. AK, why do you think this is? There's like no, I mean, there's literally no reaction to this fight. People talk about it because it's the the marquee fight and it's, look, even the graphic for BTL this week made by the wonderful New York Rick is of Amanda Nunes or Rene Aldana. It's the main event, but look at the numbers on the countdowns. Dariush Oliveira is like, I don't even know what number it is 
in terms of how many times more eyeballs have been on that countdown as opposed to the main event. So why do you think this is the Oliver Dariush card and this is just there? Uh Listen, they they dropped the ball with Amanda Nunez a long time ago. I, I'll I'll always believe this. Like, listen, she wasn't the she wasn't the A side of some of these massive drawing cards she was on. She was on cards, of course, you know, against Ronda Rousey. She was on cards with Brock Lesnar. Um, she's on cards with on but she's been on cards with massive names. But when she won the title, there was like it was like a million, you know, uh bought pay-per-view. And then I think and then she fought Ronda. That was like a million buys. So there was a big chance to do something with all these eyeballs that were on her, even though, again, I, I know she wasn't the star. Um, and some of it's not the UFC's fault. I don't know whose decision it was for her, like, again, not to do the standard sort of um, champion victory tour after. Because, you know, when when uh, Misha Tate won the title, she was on the morning shows. When Holly Holm won the title, she was on the morning shows. And I, I remember noticing Amanda Nunes uh, was absent, was absent. It, again, it could be her side of it. It could have been she didn't want to do it. It could have been maybe she wasn't um, super comfortable with doing some of those uh, English interviews, because of course she speaks English, but doing those kind of um, situations is different. So I don't want to put it all in the UFC. I don't want to put it all in the UFC. But I will say, whether it's her fault, the UFC's fault, her management, whoever, a ball was really dropped to make her a star because she beats, you know, she beats uh, Misha Tate, she beats Ronda Rousey, two of the biggest names. And, you know, in a perfect world, you get the rub from beating those names. That just didn't happen with her. Um, and then she continues to have this great run. She beats Cyborg. She played cyborg and this doesn't make her a star. Um, and again, a lot of it was I feel like the handling of I hated, of course, how they handled when she had to withdraw from that fight to get a you know deal with the nasal condition. I thought right away there was almost no coming back from that. Dana White just burying her and blaming her and saying, well, like, oh, you know, a champion shouldn't do that, shouldn't bow to a fight. I'm never, I'm never booking her in a main event again, which of course he didn't stick with. Um, but at that point, the boss's word has a lot of power. And again, we're already talking with someone who for whatever reason, wasn't connecting with the fans just based on her own merits. So uh, just a lot of factors went into the, to that. And now and now we see sort of um, this happening with her with her recent fights. Like the Pena fight, uh, rivalry had some juice because Pena beat her the first fight. That was strangely like the best thing that could have happened to her. But now we're back to, I mean, when the trilogy was announced, there wasn't a lot of heat around that. Aldana, again, a, a good fighter, um, a good fighter, exciting fighter. It's not a huge name and not someone I, I feel I feel like the casual audience is getting behind. I know a lot of us in the media are are pushing Aldana as a, as a very, very live dog. But the average fan just just isn't feeling it. Um, so, yeah, so they're looking for something else from this card. They're looking for – listen, Charles Oliveira always brings the excitement. Benil Darius, eight-fight win streak. Two guys who, again, you could have had a rematch with Oliveira and Darius. I don't think anyone uh, – sorry, Makachev. No one would have complained. You could have given Darius the title fight. No one would have complained. So these two guys who should be fighting for world titles, that almost feels like – you know, world title stakes. And if both guys are, are to be, uh, you know, are to be believed, they're going to get a title shot off. it. so I'm not saying I don't necessarily agree. Uh, of course, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to both fights. And and I think it's always a privilege to watch Amanda Nunes fight. Listen, not every champion has exciting fights. Look, pick, you can pick apart any champion's resume and pick like three or four title fights that are completely forgettable. Amanda's had some of those. I'm not saying she doesn't, but she is, in my estimation, the greatest women's fighter of all time. And this could be her last fight or one of her last fights. And I, I think we should uh, cherish every chance we get to see her compete. So not exactly something you could put on a pay-per-view marquee. Uh, you know, Amanda might be gone soon. Tune in. I get it. Not not a great way to sell. But but I, I hope people appreciate that um, and, and appreciate her, uh, at least in retrospect, somewhere down the road, if not now. But 
that's my that's my two cents on. I want to be really positive about the main event. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting fight. I think one of the things, and I want to get your take on this, AK, and then yours as well, New York Rick, is you know she's hinted at, like, as you said, she's hinted at retirement in the past. Her reasoning for not retiring after the loss of Juliana Pena for media day was just hilarious and very interesting. But AK, the legacy is intact. At worst, she is the second greatest women's fighter of all time. She's number one for me. If she beats Aldana, I think people people downgrade storyline to a certain extent because we want to know what's next. And the options ahead of Amanda Nunes are not a plenty. We can do Pena, maybe a rematch with Raquel Pennington. We saw that fight play out. It was not competitive at all. And then from there, it's like, do we do Holly Holm again if she beats Myra Buena Silva? Like, there's just no division here. So, like, what else is there for Amanda Nunes? Like, if she beats Arini Aldana, like, what else can she do? That I think that kind of hurts this as well because if Arena wins, there's more questions, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. But there just doesn't seem to be, like, anything really interesting that's realistic for Amanda Nunes after this fight. Yeah, listen, a, a champion's reign is often uh, defined as much by their challenges. We, we talk about one of the greatest reigns of all time, George St. Pierre. And if you look at it, he got very fortunate with, you know, his his first defense. Like early on, he beat some of the his his contemporaries, some of the big names. You know, he, he uh, and no, these weren't all title fights at the time, but he beats BJ Penn early on. Controversial fight. I know, New York Rick, please, please let's let this one go. Beats BJ Penn in their first <laughs> fight. He, beat, he beats Sean Shirk. He beats Matt Hughes. And then, so he's, he gets the big names out of the way. And then again, ideally, as he's doing this, you know, you have the, the welterweight division coming up and being built up. And then you have challengers, you have guys in other promotions succeeding. Like he fight, he gets to fight like Jake Shields later in his career. And that was a huge fight because Jake Shields was, was on a huge unbeaten streak, Strike Force champion. And uh, Amanda Nunes has just not had that kind of luck. Uh, some of it, again, is the division she's fighting in. Really, 135 and 145 around the world. This isn't just a UFC problem. It's not a super strong division. There, there's that athletic, there's that threshold of if you're an athletic uh, woman at 135, 145, 155 and up, there's a very good chance you're pursuing other sports and not MMA. This is why there's such a drop off um, uh, in the heavier women's division. The same with the heavier men's divisions. We look, you can look at light heavyweight and heavyweight. We joke about the lack of depth in those divisions all the time. Once, you, if you're someone in that range uh, and you're healthy and you're a good athlete, you're probably going to pursue other sports, just better money. So. That's a huge problem that Amanda has faced is that while she was while she's knocking off Holly Holm, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, these huge names, there wasn't a lot going on as far as contender development. And and she can't control that. The UFC can't control that. And that is why now we are stuck in the situation where we're talking about a Raquel Pennington rematch after this possibly that nobody really wants to see. A somewhat intriguing Juliana Pena trilogy bout. I mean, at least they're one and one. You could sell that. And also Aldana, again, great competitor, but kind of stepping in off, off of this weird situation, off of catchweight bout. She missed weight the fight before that. But people want to see it. And, and you know, so that's, that's um, for me, I always say about combat sports, that's the most important thing as much as we like to build up contenders. Uh, is there, is there, do you want to see these two people fight? And I think it would be a shame if Nunez never developed, uh, sorry, never defended her title against Irina Aldana. So I'm glad we're getting it, however we got it. But yeah, after this, this division just doesn't have oh, – and featherweight, if you want to call that a division, nothing at 135 or 145 is a super attractive, compelling matchup, um, which is why this retirement talk is uh, – I think is so prominent right now. Nierkirk, do you think just the lack of a division plays a role in this too? Because 
we like to talk about the what's next. Oh, if this person wins and, or this person wins, like we know what's next. This fight, we really have no idea because there just isn't much of a division and anything that's realistically possible, we've seen once or twice already. So is that part of this too? It's definitely part of it. I don't think there's blame to go around. You know, I think a lot of people in a scenario like this are going to be looking for blame. Like, is it the UFC's fault? Is it Amanda's fault? Is the lack of competitive? I don't think it's anybody's fault. I think this is just the scenario we're kind of in. Uh, Amanda Nunes reminds me of certain fighters from the past. She reminds me of Stipe Miocic in the fact that she never really was one who wanted to do the things presented to her and take the spotlight and grab it. Um, she just wanted to go away, live her life, and then come back and fight. And that's not a way to sell lots of pay-per-views that's a way to be a, a great long-reigning champion and be a great fighter but that's not a way to make yourself um a, a marketable bankable star um and she reminds me of demetrius johnson in the sense that she's been clearing out her division for a long time and we're just running out of compelling matchups and the most interesting fights for her outside of the ufc to be quite frank like i think it would be a good split between her and the UFC. Like, I think there's much more interesting things for her outside of it. And I think there's better opportunities for out for her outside of it. And then you look at the UFC who kind of like reluctantly has to make her headline pay-per-views where they know that they're not going to potentially sell very well. When in reality, it'll probably be better in a co-main slot underneath a, a, a different um, title fight. It doesn't seem like the right fit and it doesn't seem like the right timing. Like I think the, 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 nobody's to blame and we're just in the scenario that we're in where there's not compelling um matchups for her when they do get climb the mountaintop she dispatches of them relatively easily and then we move on um and it reminds me of demetrius johnson where it, it might just be that this is just the wrong time and, and the wrong division and maybe it's time to look elsewhere so yeah I, whether it's retirement i see i feel weird about the retirement conversation because i feel like it's almost retirement just because there's not a challenge because of how good she is and how good she is of, of dispatching of those number one contenders. But I think there are challenges out there. I wouldn't mind seeing cyborg run back. I like the Kayla Harrison fight. I really like the Kayla Harrison fight and I would love to see her up against those competitions. So I don't think it's that there's a lack of available competition in the MMA landscape. I just think the UFC at this moment is not the right place. Um, and I would like to see, Amanda Nunes doing something else, if I'm being honest. And, uh, and quite frankly, I don't know if the UFC gets enough out of an Amanda Nunes headlined pay-per-view that they can continue to do this and make it make business sense. So maybe it's time for a, a clean split and figure something else because she's holding two division belts um, that are not going to draw any money on pay-per-view. Yeah, and I don't even know why the featherweight title is is a thing. But So, what, what's, so what's better for business to you, Rick? A Nunez win or an Aldana win? Because if Aldana wins and Nunez doesn't want to go quietly, they're probably just going to run this one back. So, like, what's better? Aldana. An Aldana win because now you've got Brandon Moreno, Yair Rodriguez, uh, uh, Alexa Grasso, uh, Irene Aldana, and, and you've got something really special in the making and you can continue to talk about that and, and use the the combined efforts of it um, to to talk about uh, Mexican MMA. And then for Amanda Nunes, you know, you can look for something compelling for her. It's much more interesting after she was more interesting after she lost to Juliana Pena, right? That, that was when it was like, Oh wow. Is Amanda Nunes slipping? And then she comes back and dominates and it's clear uh, that that was an off night. Um, I think it would be more interesting for both parties if Aldana won. And I think it'd be more bankable for the UFC to be able to package um, their, their bevy of Mexican champions together and kind of trot that out. 
than it would be for just another 50-45 Amanda Nunes decision. AK, do you agree an Aldana win is is better for for business here? Yeah, it's hard to argue against it. As much as I'm saying I wish we could sell, you know, Amanda Nunes being the women's GOAT, uh, on its own merits and just having that, you know, be something to try and, you know, 300,000, 400,000 pay-per-view buys. It, it isn't. It hasn't. Again, the most the most we talked about in Amanda Nunes' tail defense in either division in the last few years was the Juliana Pena rematch, right? That's that's just a fact. Uh, I do think they would give her an immediate rematch again. Uh, as New York uh, Rick said, if they ever want to do that Mexico card, they have so many options and her rematching Pena in Mexico uh, as the champion in Spring of Aldana would be absolutely phenomenal. So, and and listen, there's also the possibility that Aldana win. Let's say it doesn't lead to a rematch, and like Amanda Nunes retires, that would kind of clear things up as well. I'm not saying Amanda Nunes is bad for business. I I hate to frame it that way, but when you have someone who has uh, just been so indomitable, and again, some of these performances like. It almost feels like she fights down to the level of her competition. You know, it's like we know she's the best, but it, it's not the same as like watching peak Rousey, you know, run through her opponents in 20 seconds. You know, it's, it's that's just not who Nunez is sometimes. She can. She's had some great first round finishes. But again, some nights that's just not who she is. So it it, it just might be better if one, if her if she lost and said, I'm done, I'm retiring. Uh, and then they just closed, frankly, closed down the featherweight division. Sorry for anyone who, uh, any women fighters out there who are chasing that title, but I can't imagine there's too many. And then, yeah, it would, it would make Aldana, you know, give Aldana a fresh run of challengers. Raquel Pennington definitely gets a, re- a shot right away. She beat Aldana a few years ago. Um, it has to be Aldana winning. Uh, again, this is with all due respect to the champion. And I, and I don't want to say the UFC is leaning either way. Um, but if you're the matchmakers, you definitely feel like you're going to have more options uh, and more compelling storylines if uh, if Amanda drops her uh, drops the title again. Well, that's the main event, everybody, and you can watch it with us at the UFC 289 Watch Party coming up on Saturday night. Let us move on, or will we not move on? Is this the shortest BTL of all time? The point for round three goes to. Prince of Positivity. He's on the board. It's two to one. It's the open scoring, Mike. No coasting. No coasting. Can't, you can't no coast. coasting. You can't coast. Can't. You cannot coast. Well, let's go to the people's main event of Saturday, the co-main event. Charles Oliveira, the former lightweight champion of the world, taking on Benil Dariush. And I want to throw back to a question that headlined heck of a morning this morning because I think it's a fair question to ask, AK. Kind of a two-parter because there's just so many interesting storylines and things that can happen here. But Benil Darius has done more than enough to get a title shot here. This fight probably should not even be happening. Darius should just be going ahead and fighting Islam Makachev for the belt in October. But this fight is, in fact, happening on Saturday. Does Darius have the most to lose on Saturday of anybody else on this entire card? And is Saturday do or die for his title hopes at 155? Because remember... This is not Bellator. This is not the PFL where you can come back next season. This, this is the UFC. And if he loses this fight to Charles Oliveira, how detrimental is this to him in his run at a title? 
I, I, I'm hesitant to say he has the most to lose. I still want to say Nunez losing the world champ, uh, championship would mean something. I get it. I, I, I know people are saying, well, whether she wins or loses, her legacy is set. She's the greatest. But it's, it's a world title. It's a world title. I, I do think she care, She still cares about it. I don't think any champion ever gets tired of like defending their title. Um, they might get worn out from the wear and tear of you know being on top and everyone gunning for you. But I'll still say losing the world title, there's no bigger stakes than that. Um, regardless of whether the uh, Nunes' legacy is set in stone. So I'll put it below that. But I, I understand why the question is asked. And the other reason I'm, I'm going to say uh, Nunes has lost me worse because I am optimistic no matter what happens to Benil Dariush on Saturday, it will not remove him from the lightweight equation. Um, whether he gets finished the first round, whether he loses a lopsided decision, whether he loses a competitive decision, whatever it may be, I want to believe he's built up enough currency with the UFC. Let, let me say I have I was had no problem with him getting skipped over for the Volkanovski fight. Not because he didn't deserve it. I would have loved to see Darius get the title shot. But for me, it's like when you can make a super fight happen, you just do it. Like if, if the timing is right, you know, the timing was right for Volkanovski, Makachev. I know people would have said like, oh, couldn't we have seen Makachev defended a few more times first and fight Volkanovski in a real, real super fight between two, you know, long reigning champions. And yeah, that would have been great. But this is combat sports. You can't really futz around with it. So it's a miracle, I think, that that fight was booked on, you know, fight night. No nothing, no hitches in between. We got to see in October. It was a great fight. Whoever you thought won, it's a great fight. So I'm glad that happened. Sucks for Darius. Sucks for Darius. And it'll suck for Darius big time if he loses to Charles Oliveira. Because yes, it, it pushes him back. But but I don't think it removes him. I don't think the UFC is just like waiting to you know to see Benio lose, and then go like, oh, thank gosh, like we don't have to talk about this guy again um, uh, in in the contender picture. We can we can factor him out. He's a great company guy. Uh, he's puts on exciting fights. Again, he no complaints. He the infamous, I'll fight ten times again if I have to to earn a title shot. Ugh. I'm sure that UFC loves that. And the good thing is, I don't think they'll make him do that. I don't think they'll make him do that. I actually think. He's at the level where, if they if he if he loses, obviously he's not he's nowhere close to number one contender. But he's already on the short list. He's on the short list, and if something happens, uh, they'll throw him in. We've seen people get we've seen people get title fights off of losses before. You know, if they if they were able to step in as a replacement, and I think Darius has earned that. I actually think you could see him if so if so many names in front of him. Oh, I just almost knocked something over my desk. If so many names in front of him uh, fell out for whatever reason. I think it's entirely possible Darius uh, can get a title shot. So I'm going to be super, super prince of positivity here and say, uh, even if he doesn't win, and I know a lot of people think he will, even if he doesn't win, it's not over for Benil. Uh, there, there's ways that he can still get a title shot, and as early as as early as next year. So a lot of pressure. I'm not saying it's not a lot of pressure. I'm not saying it's not important. And I'm not saying that he doesn't guarantee himself a title shot, whatever that means, uh, if he beats Charles Oliveira. But for me, a loss for Benil is not the end of the world. At least I hope that's how the UFC views it because he deserves a title shot someday. New York, Rick, are you as optimistic as AK is? No, not even close. Uh, a loss for Benil would be absolutely catastrophic. Um, he would not get a title shot as far, as far as I can see in the immediate future. There's a lot of names that have headlined cards before. Um like they are making a fight between Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier for an artificial belt, um, you know, to to coincide, to run parallel um, to this fight between Charles and, and Benil. And I could imagine very easily one of those guys hopping um, into the fight. 
Benil reminds me of Tony Ferguson before him. He reminds me of Leon Edwards before he finally did kind of get that opportunity. He reminds me of Bilal Muhammad, where he's somebody who's good enough to be in a co-main, good enough to be on the rise. And if we're in that position, we can give them a title shot. Um, but he is not somebody that I think they will gleefully push to the top. I think a loss would be absolutely catastrophic. And in concert with that is there was a time in Benil Darius's career where he was frustrated by the lack of opportunities and had already talked retirement and continues to talk about, you know, this is one last run and, and talk like that. Um, I don't see him strapping it back up and climbing the mountaintop again. This is the shot. And it would be unfortunate if, um, it didn't culminate with a title shot because I think he deserved it before this, although I think the word deserves an MMA is stupid and I shouldn't have used it. Um, but I think he had done enough in his resume uh, to be a title contender. It would be a shame if he didn't get that opportunity, but I do not see it the same way as AK. I think if he loses this, there will not be another path back to the title before ahead of guys like Alexander Volkanovsky, ahead of guys like Justin Gaethje, a guys ahead of guys like Dustin Poirier, ahead of guys like Charles Oliveira. There are just too many names who have been bankable stars for the UFC headlining cards, headlining pay-per-views that it does not seem feasible for Benil Dariush with a loss to get back there. So not, not uh, as optimistic as, as my colleague. Michael Chandler, maybe Conor McGregor if he wants to yeah. go back to 155. Like that puts him way back if he, he falls far. He falls. But Rick, if if, if Darius wins, it's a no-brainer. We know it happens. And on the flip side of the first topic, if Oliveira wins, he seems very confident that the UFC is just going to chuck him back in there with Islam Makachev for a chance to regain the belt back in Abu Dhabi, the scene of the crime the first time, which I'm not so sure about. But in your mind, what happens if Oliveira wins? Like, where does he go? How much it, how, how much of a chance do you give him getting a rematch with Makachev if he wins on Saturday? And if it's not Oliveira, how the hell do they pivot for Islam Makachev in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, he's in the running. So we're, we're saying if Charles wins, right? If Charles wins. If Charles wins, yeah, I think he's definitely in the running. I think there's a there's not a lack of good options, right? If Charles wins definitively, if Charles goes out there and smokes Benil Darius in the first round, I think he puts himself in the driver's seat. Then they wait to see what happens with Dustin and Justin. I think Dustin is a is a fresh matchup, even though he's had two title shots before. You could you could put Dustin in there. Uh and uh then let's say Justin wins. Now you've got a, a conversation to be had between do we give Justin another shot? Do we give Charles another shot? Both not bad options. I think you could put those guys in with uh, a fight with Islam Makachev and sell it. You've got Alexander Volkanovsky on the sidelines. You've got the fight between Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. If Conor wins, I think there's no doubt he's going to skip everybody, but maybe he wants a title shot at 170. I think they've... They've got a lot of options, including Benil and including Charles. I think both of them, um, whoever wins that fight, that they're not in a rush to make a decision there. They can kind of see how the next couple of months play out and then um, determine that. Obviously, Connor and Chandler would be after, right? Connor and Chandler would be after we, we settle our, our business in Abu Dhabi. But there there's a, there's a list of contenders that they are growing um, in that division, and I don't think there's any bad options there. So yeah, Charles will put himself, I think, in the driver's seat for, for that opportunity, uh, dependent upon how Justin and Dustin look. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's th th how special Charles Oliveira's title run was and, and the buzz about him online and the, the number of fans that he has. I think that would be a, a huge misstep to count him out on, uh, of the title just because of how he looked in the fight against Islam. So, um, yeah, I think he'd be right in the driver's seat with a win. AK, are you as optimistic driver's seat? Do you think he's in the driver's seat if he wins this fight? 
he's in the driver's seat, but I mean, we know that that that, that car can you can get sideswiped uh, in the UFC at any moment. I, I don't think either guy is is guaranteed anything. I, I love the talk of it. I love them say, being pretty confident that like, oh, if I win on Saturday, I know for sure. Like, or or now I'm really I'm really going to raise a stink this time if I win on Saturday, I don't get a title shot. Um, but you mentioned, gosh, you, you mentioned the uh, Conor McGregor. You mentioned the Michael Chandler bomb. I mean, it's so stupid because their fight isn't even booked yet. We know it's happening at 170, and somehow the winner of that could like sneak into a lightweight title shot. And I'm not questioning you. I'm questioning like that this is that this has essentially been like it feels like this has been said. It feels like this is a realistic possibility. It feels like there's a segment of fans who wouldn't mind it. We know there's a huge. We know the casual segment. If the, if if Conor McGregor beat um, Michael Chandler. They'd love to see him fight Islam Makachev instead of Benil Dariush or Charles Oliveira. It's, that's just a fact. It's a horrible fact, but it's just a fact. So I, I want to say that Charles Oliveira uh, should get a, like be guaranteed another shot because his reign was so fun. Uh, even the fight with Makachev, I get it. Like it, you know, pretty pretty clear win for Makachev um, up, up all the way up to the finish. But I still. I still, I'm like, I still want to see more. I still feel like let, let me see, let me see him clear Charles Oliveira twice that way because um, I think Makachev is great, but uh, I also think beating a, a, a guy who I think is a star and like an all timer in Charles Oliveira twice would be enormous. But there's there's just no guarantees for guys like Charles and for guys like Benil. Let's not forget Charles himself had to win, I think eight straight right before getting his title fight, eight or eight, seven or eight straight. He he was by no means he was never the UFC's. Uh, number one choice. He was not a guy that they were like, you know, a- a- actively pushing. It, I didn't feel like it I, until until they again, uh, uh, Poirier and, and, and Gaethje got their shots. They were out of the way, and then he later got to defend against them. But they were the first choice guys, just as they are over Benil. So, like I said, as as optimistic as I am that Benil could get a title shot down the road, and and Charles still could get a rematch down the road. Uh, I don't know if anything puts them above again a guy like McGregor if he gets that win, uh, assuming that fight happens. Uh, that fight with Chandler happens within a reasonable amount of time. So you know me, guys, trying to be positive here, trying to be positive, but got it, got to be a little bit realistic. Um, either guy, again, New York, like you said it. This word should, should just be, we should just bleep it out on the podcast version. Um, deserves either guy's deserves more than deserves uh, a shot or another shot at the title. Um, and I don't think anything that happens though on Saturday makes it makes Dana White, you know, show up at the press conference and say, Yep, definitely gonna book one of these guys next for lightweight title. Nope. You're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get a healthy serving of we don't make we don't make fights on fight night. You get a lot of that. So sucks. I don't really agree with that. I, I just think the timing of Abu Dhabi makes it much easier. Like it's not like the Blah Muhammad thing where you could say it all you want. Like even even after he beat Gilbert Burns, Dana was like, oh yeah, hundred percent he's getting next. But is that true though? Like, we don't even know when Leon versus Colby is going to happen. If Hamzat actually fights Usman at 170 and, and Shemaev wins that fight, you think they're going to give Bilal the title shot over Hamzat Shemaev? No chance that happens. And if Connor does fight Michael Chandler at 170, whoever wins that fight, if they want to remain at 170, jumps ahead of Bilal Muhammad. So I actually think the timing is in it's favors Benil Dariush much more than it favors Bilal Muhammad. That's why I hated doing Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns at 288 because it made no sense. The timing of it made no sense because so much can happen between then and where this fight's even going to happen. It's which right now, maybe November, maybe December, we get Leon versus Colby. Like so much can happen between now and then, but we'll see how this all plays out. I feel pretty confident Dariush wins. It's, it's going to be like a, 
hey, if you want your title shot, you have to do it in October or you're just not going to get it. We're just going to call good old Mikey Chandler up because you know he'll do it and then fight Connor after that. But let's move on. AK, real quick. We know Danny Gay versus Nate Landwehr rules. I think we all love the Nasruddin of Chris Curtis fight as well. I think of the fights we've talked about, those are the top four. But which other fight on this card has you intrigued the most outside of those? Man, I'm I'm super intrigued by Miranda Maverick and uh, Jasmine Jazdavisius. I, I don't have a great gauge for where Jasmine is as a, as a prospect, as it were. Um, she's not like super young and uh, age wise. She is obviously in MMA mileage. You know, doesn't have a ton of experience there. Uh, but I I see. I think anyone who's watched her. And again, maybe there's a little Canadian bias here. We're kind of always looking for that next sort Canadian standout. We've got quite a few competing on uh, on Saturday who I hope have uh, long, lengthy careers uh, as professionals. Uh, but again, she's in division, one of the divisions I think there's a lot of room for upward mobility. Uh, I haven't seen the odds. I assume she's a pretty... I'll take a quick glance. I assume she's a pretty healthy She's a pretty sizable dog. She's a pretty Miranda nice, Maverick. Yeah. And that's understandable. Listen, Miranda Maverick, as as inconsistent as she's been, is super young and has fought really good names. It's not like she's inconsistent because she's just, you know, um having middling results against the, you know, the 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 bottom half of the 125 division. She's already fought some really good names, uh, few, few people who we think could be future champions. And that doesn't remove her from that uh conversation. I think a lot of people still like her chances. So but that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Because I, I think I think Jezevisius, I think she's only one and one so far. But I, I like what I've seen from her for the most part. And I think this is a legitimate test for Maverick. And, 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 and like from Miranda Maverick, I want to, if she is the real deal, if we do want to kind of get her back in that conversation of uh, sort of the, those blue chippers, because a lot of names leapfrogged her, then I'd, I'd want to see her just run through Jezevisius. Again, either super convincing 30-27, like 30-26 decision, or 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 get 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 a, a statement finish. So that's what I want to see if Maverick wins. And uh, Jessica's any sort of win for her over Miranda Maverick would be like enormous, and uh, really get her moving up that 125. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually really intrigued by that one on uh, on the prelims. Yeah, Miranda Maverick minus 295. A lot of people giving up on Amanda Ma- Miranda Maverick, which I find is pretty puzzling since she's 25 and about to turn 26. Like. She's mm. not even near athletic prime yet. New York, where are you at? What's the outside of the top four? What would you say is like the number five most intriguing fight at UFC 289? Yeah, I could, you know, do the the argument about Amavov and Curtis being compelling and and needing the win. Well, sorry, you said outside of the top four. I'm not allowed yeah, to pick so, the top four. Yeah, outside outside of those four fights, the main, the co-main, Curtis Imavov and Ige Landwehr. What's what's number five? Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I would see my order is different. Uh, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. I'm then I was gonna say I'm all in on Nate Landwehr. Like let's just you know do that because he's the man. Um, but then it's gonna I'm be just, Mike. Malata. I'm talking more about like just how you rank them in terms of intrigue. Yeah, it, it was well. Again, I'm I'm looking at the prelim headliner for me is Amavov and Curtis. Um, yeah, which to me is very compelling. Um, but I don't know if I'm allowed to take it. I'm, I'm confused at the rules. Yeah. I, I, I missed No, that. I would say I'm t- like of the, of the fights that people are like most excited about on this card, it would be like in, in no particular order, be main event, co-main event, Ige Landwehr and Curtis Imabov. So those are like the four fights. Are everyone dismounted. universally are like, okay, these are the four fights we're going to pay the most attention to. Okay. What's so then let's go Mike Malott. Mike Malott versus okay. Adam Fugate because... Um, it's a culmination of something for Malad. He was on the MMA Hour this morning, and he was talking about being in the stands watching UFC 129 and watching GSP 
um, versus Shields in the in the stadium. And he's the last Canadian on the card. He's going to get a huge pop. He's an absolute monster finisher. Like, I feel like that's building to something that could really set a great tone for the co-main. Um, and then you kind of like, hopefully that bounces off like Nate Landwehr's craziness and that potentially awesome fight with Danny Gay. So yeah, I'm, I think it's going to, I think it's going to have a nice little moment um, with Mike Malad and hopefully he can come through and, and deliver the finish that he's, that he's looking for uh, as a culmination of something for, for the Canadian MMA fans. Cause I think that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. My, Mike, I was going to say, if, if you want to make it easier for us, you should have said, what is your favorite fight featuring a Canadian? Because then that would have been outside of the, that, I said, with apologies to David Dvorak, Stephen Erkeg, and uh, Belkinta yeah. and Oliveira, my Maria Oliveira, you could have just said, what's the best fight featuring a Canadian? Because uh, there you go. That, that would have given us, there still had a few options. I thought for sure someone was going to say Arichi Lang versus Ariel Hawani. Shout out to Deep Yusuf. Even Sahabi. But yeah, that's UFC 289. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Preview show, weigh-in show. Jose Youngs is in the Great White North in Vancouver, uh, bringing you all the coverage. Press conference later on today. We'll get you ready. So the point for round four goes to... He's been here for years, kids, so don't call it a comeback. Alexander K. Lee, we are you know, all tied up. Th- thank you, my best friend. I think you confused New York Rick with some of the rules there. As we know, hashtag rules rule. I'm a master of understanding rules, so I knew as soon as you kind of gave that convoluted question, I'm like, I got this. I like, I like New York Rick already looks – I can see his eyes glazing over already. So I was like, I got, a- I got this one. It's amazing because your lack of knowledge of the rules for the first two questions were cost you the first two points, but now we're sharper oh. in getting into it, and that's how this all this that's how this all worked out. So that means it is time for the knockaround. One question will decide it all. Each participant will have sixty seconds to answer said question. Scott McCrae had sent in an interesting topic, but. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized we're not going to go with this because the contractual. He wanted to compare the UFC to like like MMA and, and put it in a live golf PGA tour perspective. Like if an anomaly came along and was like, we're going to pay fighters hundreds of millions of dollars to just leave the UFC and come join us. It doesn't really work that way because of how the fighters are locked down in their contracts, as opposed to the PGA it's like year by year and you can just leave and go as you choose at the end of each year. So can't really do that. Maybe we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll find a way to twist that into something interesting down the road. But uh, I, I just think there's a pertinent question. I think Ariel Hawani's conversation with Brennan Lochnade kind of put this on my radar. And I know it's a topic we talk about all the time, but I'm really curious to hear what both of you guys have to say about this right now on this day. AK, you are the champion, which means you get the champion's prerogative. Do you want to go first or do you want to pass it on over to New York Rick? Mike, you know, I already me. know this. I've got a, I've got a thirst to go first. I got to go first. <laughs> I, if the if the poll is is ready to vote on, you should probably just vote for AK now after that wonderful <laughs> rhyme. So, mm-hmm. um, look, this this just keeps coming up, and we're going to continue to do so. But Ariel Hawani had a nice spirited debate with, I believe, it was Brendan Lochnane yesterday on the MMA Hour. Uh, I was my day off, so I just saw a clip of this on somebody's Twitter feed. But the conversation about the number two MMA promotion right now, Ariel Hawani felt very confident that PFL is number two, and the big reason why is because. They have found a way to sort of differentiate themselves from Bellator and at least bring something a little more unique and, and, and different to the product as opposed to like the to Bellator where Jed calls them PFL light, but at least Bellator does the Grand Prix and stuff like that. 
I, in 60 seconds or less, AK, are you as confident as Ariel is that PFL is the number two promotion right now? Or do you think Bellator has a better case? Like, where are we at right now? Because the UFC is so far ahead and there's just no direct competition for them right now. But I know the Francis deal, but one of the points Ariel brought up is like, Bellator has this card coming up next Saturday. It's a really good one, but there's no buzz. But the PFL is on tonight, and there's like less buzz for tonight's card than there is for the Bellator card next week. So who is number two in terms of buzz and hype? One minute on the clock, go. Yeah, listen, I, I got to agree with Brendan Lochnane and Ariel. I, I, I do lean towards the PFL. I get what you're saying, my best friend, that we're there's people who literally don't know there's a card going on as we record this. But I think when you're making these uh, comparisons, comparing promotion to promotion, you can't go, you can't be so granular and go card by card. It's it's really like what what uh, promotion dominates the overarching discussion. And there's no question over the past six months besides the UFC, it has been the PFL with, with the Francis stuff. Uh, with again, I just think they do a great, <laughs> the drug testing, listen, the drug testing, that's a bad headline, but at, at least, that's something that wouldn't have even registered with people two years ago. I guess the fact that it's news means something. So that's a you know bad publicity, good publicity, and all that. But also, they're right that you can, if someone asks you to describe the PFL, you can you can describe it pretty quickly what differentiates it with the million dollar prize. Now they have Francisco, they got Jake Paul, they got a tournament system. You can't do that with Bellator as great as the cards are. So Bellator, hardcore delight, putting together, doing great stuff. The PFL in the public eye right now, number two. All right, New York Rick. Do you agree with that? Is it PFL? Is it Bellator? No. Are they too close no. together? Is it, is it somebody else? Rudy York Rick, go, 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 no. go. No, it's actually none of them. There is no number two. They're all not even in the running. It's the UFC and then everybody else. And the fact that they're all tripping over themselves to tear it out and be number two is quite frankly embarrassing. They shouldn't be caring or shooting for it. There is no number two promotion because they're all in the scope of the global MMA market, mo mostly irrelevant um, to many fans, not watched, and they need they have a lot of work to do to be number two. There is no number two uh, because none of them have done a, a good enough job. So you can talk about here. Let's pull up Don Davis's um, little spreadsheet here five years in existence for pfl 14 for bellator the pfl's got you know technology smart cage data odds ai score so that puts them the real answer is they should all, all stop pushing this narrative about being number two because it's irrelevant and it doesn't matter and if nobody's watching it doesn't matter if you're number two or number 20. uh stop giving this any air stop giving this any breath and build a competent organization there you go. AK with a big smile. How can face. you? Well, I was like, Rick's doing pretty well here. And then he brought up the graphic and I'm like, I thought you were trying to defend <laughs> your case. Then you bring up the graphic. <laughs> you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I was, I was just bringing it up to talk about how, how much of a joke it is. No, uh, it's a great yeah. one championship. 80% Asian. Did you know that? 80% Asian. I knew that it was on the graph. It was on the graphic. I, I had seen that. 25 um, countries in the PFL, but uh, God, one championship. There's, so, there's just so many MMA debates that I just don't want to have and don't care about. I just well, you've come to the right show. You come to the right show, in New York, right? If you guys, <laughs> no, I wanted to, I want to debate you about them, but I don't want to oh, okay, debate okay. the actual content of it. I don't oh, want to debate who's number two, but I want to have a debate with you about debating who's number two. Does that make sense? It's meta. It's that meta. Makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I would hope our, yeah. our 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 viewers and listeners feel the same way. Yeah. We God, should have Rick so on much last fun. week's show. 
as a special guest <laughs> analyst to break down the graphic because we brought the graphic up and spent like 35 <laughs> minutes oh. on the graphic last week. It was my favorite segment in the history of the show. My favorite I've never seen Bellator do anything like that. I'll tell you that much. I've never seen Bellator do anything like that. And, yeah. and they if Scott Coker, if, if I see a graphic like that on Scott Coker's Twitter page, I'm going to lose my shit. Like I might just fall to the floor and I, I might just leave. I might just leave is the it, sport altogether. Is there like a trophy or something that when they have finally proven their case that they're number two, does somebody like send them something? Like, what is the point of this? Explain listen, it to me. What happens at that point? Listen, I, I have learned now that I've become a hardcore football fan over the last like 10 months, I've realized there's all these like lower tier trophies that like get celebrated. Shout out, shout outs West Ham winning the uh, Europa, Com- Europa Conference League trophy, their first trophy in 46 years, something like that. And I realized like these like are and, and, and I, I'm not being I'm not being facetious now. Like it does weirdly mean something to to be in the running when you know you are not you have zero chance of ever, you know, winning that top, top, top trophy champion like Champions League, which is happening on Saturday. Um, so I guess in a twisted way, this is what we where we are with other promotions in MMA is like, yeah, you can really only aspire to be number two, barring some something incredibly uh, strange happening to the entire like world of combat sports and UFC somehow losing its its lead, which is just it's you know nine billion yes. miles ahead of every other promotion. So I guess but it does AKF, mean something. I would I would love a trophy, a second place. Trophy. I would point to another tweet by Don Davis where he alluded to the fact that the UFC was blockbuster and PFL was Netflix and uh, sorry Netflix and blockbuster. Um, and I would I would point you to the fact that they're overlooking you know the the impending doom of the UFC and then the PFL rising and becoming um, Netflix. So you know just food for thought maybe maybe yeah. they can be number one maybe they're selling Bell- themselves short i think bellator is number two by process of elimination right now because they're the only ones just sitting back letting all these other promotions just put out graphics and and fake numbers and figures <laughs> so i think they win by proxy so congratulations no, they're not bellator. above it number they're two. not above it mike they're not above it come on they got to get in but get the, in the uh, mud look they they do look they do things behind that but they do it behind the scenes like the things that they do that are kind of ridiculous are like behind that. Like they're not on public. You know what I mean? It's, I actually it's just wonderful. registered an LLC and uh, created a company and I'm actually the number two promotion. I have founded <laughs> it and started it and I've decided. Wow. I'm going to put on my graphic tomorrow. It's happening. I wish I wish there was a promotion out there that just called themselves like number, t- number two MMA. Like Thank N- you. N2, N2 MMA. I, I would love the N2 MMA promotion. Number two. We're number two. Our goal is to be well, the it's number happening, two. Is, yeah. Me and you, the number two is we're starting promotion in the, in, the, in the field. Oh, I was like, can God. you imagine a fighter, a fighter putting out a graphic saying, I'm the second baddest man on the planet. <laughs> and yep. This is why. I'm so, I'm so number two. I'm, I'm so much more number two <laughs> number than two. any of you other number two. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Just incredible. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad this thing had enough <laughs> legs to carry over into a second week. So Casey is here, which means the votes are probably tallied. Are, do we have a winner? Are we good? We, we, we definitely have a winner. We definitely have a winner. All right. <clears throat> Your winner today with 57% of the votes is and new champion. New York, York Rick. Rick. Gets it done. What a battle. I mean, just a spirited battle. New York Rick gets the victory. AK. It's better to have won a Listen, championship than to have never won one at all. It's, I just want to say the difference between number two, me, and number three is huge. I just want to make that clear. I am number two by a mile. 
I just want that to be clear. <laughs> Definitively number two. Unbelievable. There, there oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see I hear you. He did it. He did it. He, he did, did it already. All right. He did New York, it. Rick, congratulations. Uh, I know how much this means to you. Why don't you tell the thank folks you. how much it means to you and what you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, it, it means a lot. Um, thank you for having me, Mike. More than anything, you know, obviously the voting was rigged and shouldn't have gone to me. AK um, had a much better performance and I'm kind of disappointed in the fans, as I have always been. Um, there's There's been a lot of these in a row that I've won and don't think I deserved any of them. Um, but you know what? That's not really important, the wins and losses. It's it's more about the time spent. And I had such a good time with all of you guys. And I love you guys so much. Um, and AK, like, you know, I know we had to debate, but truly you're my brother. And uh, we talk about, you know, Fast and the Furious uh, franchise <laughs> stuff behind the scenes, which, you know, sustains me and gives me life. Um, I have kids, but I'd rather do that, you know, if I'm being honest. So um, thank you for this experience. Um, everybody involved in this, Casey, Mike, uh, it's it's a great show. It's a great program. And uh, congratulations, AK, on being um, number two and, and third oh. is so distant from you that they yeah. can't even uh, be seen. It feels good. And let me tell you something. This promotion, 100% Asian. I'll tell you that right now, 100%. So <laughs> beat that. <laughs> beat that. Uh, hit the music, Casey. I hope you stop the poll because I think AK is about to – get a whole bunch of votes after that final comment so we are done uh we'll be back tomorrow we got heck of a morning tomorrow morning we got way in show ak get excited for that it's like it's your birthday all over again preview show 3 p.m eastern and then we'll get you ready for saturday people's free fight show we get the watch party on to the next one on sunday it's gonna be a very busy weekend and of course floyd mayweather is boxing john Gotti the third on sunday who knew who knew and we'll talk all about it next week right here on Between the Links. Thank you, Casey. The iconic voice of Mr. Lynn takes you home. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.